0: God bless you and welcome to Yesterday Ended, Healing the Traumas of Life. I'm your host, Dennis Tobin. Thank you so much for joining me today. There's an old saying, out of sight, out of mind. Citizens of less developed countries that do not have televisions or roadside billboards cannot be besieged by massive campaigns of advertising. Advertising puts a product in our minds, building the desire to have it. Most citizens of less developed countries are generally concerned with the basic, simple things of life. The trick to advertising is, if you see it, you might develop a desire to want it. So the question is, do you really need it? There is a big difference between what we need and what we want. There are straight out lies of want or desire that get us into trouble. We don't need chocolate, but we sure do want it at times. And some of us want more than we need. And then begins the problem that the need for something becomes an obsession. How do we determine what we truly need? How can we live free from becoming trapped in our desires? I'll be covering details of this in today's episode. Give a listen. I've mentioned recently that I have to move out of my current workshop because my landlord has retired. In the last couple of weeks, I have been cleaning out my storage area in the shop and have come to find out I was a hoarder of stuff. Not all of it was bad stuff, but I came to find out I had a bunch of junk in amongst the good stuff. I used to build cabinets and furniture. I had stuff that still pertained to that part of my life. But honestly, I had no need for those things, but I still had them. I had to get honest with what I really needed. I was carrying a bunch of dead weight. Though I was not physically holding these things, I have come to recognize the weight that they can carry in the atmosphere of our homes and shops and offices. Clutter of any sort is disruptive to peace in our lives. For many years, God has been endeavoring to teach me to get rid of old stuff. I believe that the Lord gave me a recurring dream three nights in a row to teach me this many years ago. In the dream, I was standing in a small room, and the floor is completely covered with stuff. It was so congested I could not move. It was a very short dream, but it repeated three nights in a row. God was showing me I needed to clean up or streamline areas of my life, not only physically, but also mentally. So the question arises, what do I need? I can live without food for over a month. I can live without water for a couple of days. I need to breathe every moment. What can I live without? Beyond the physical necessities of life, what do I really need? Is God's word more than my necessary food? Does my soul thirst for truth, or my flesh long for his heart? Is it a need or a greed, a deceitful lust or a godly must? In what do I trust to be fulfilled? What do I believe will fulfill my need? Back in the Garden of Eden, the serpent tricked Eve into wanting the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In a beguiling manner, he started a conversation with Eve about what God had said. Has God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Her first mistake was continuing a conversation with the serpent. And then she misquoted what God said. She omits a word, and then adds a word, and then changes a word. Finally, the serpent does his bit of Advertising trickery. Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Hey, Eve, God's been holding out on you. There's more that he has not revealed. Whatever the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was, the serpent got her to depend on her five senses instead of what God had told her. We continue in verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired, to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. When the five senses take priority over the Spirit of God, Problems will always arise. What words are we listening to? Are they words of the world or words of past failure or trauma? What words and thoughts do we allow to take up space in our hearts and minds? What do we ponder and hold on to? Only the promises of God can bring us godly satisfaction. We are warned in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, to not be conformed to this world. We must allow the Word of God to renew us and bring us into alignment with God. So we must hide the Word of God in our hearts. We must treasure it and hold it within. The Word of God is full of promises that show His intent and desire for us. The Word of God, hidden in our hearts, will give us true life. The promises of God are what we need. Speaking of need we have a direct promise concerning God's supply for our lives in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God will supply your need, but not your greed. God is gracious and can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Jesus Christ promised us, not just life, but life more abundantly. The gospel of God is not the exaggerated prosperity gospel. But according to 3 John 2, God does wish us, above all things, that we prosper and be in health. The challenge is, do we believe it? Do we believe his promises? Do we believe that God will be faithful and take care of us? Too often, we take matters into our own hands and endeavor to be our own provider. Consider the promise given to us in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Do not mistake this verse to promote a poverty gospel. Poverty is a curse, not a blessing. The warning is not to be in love with money or things. We're to be blessed with what God has provided for us. And he promises that he would never leave us nor forsake us. So what do we need to be worried about? The verses in the context before it talk about serving others and caring for those less fortunate and also speaks about living with fidelity in marriage and not being an adulterer. An adulterer is not content and is not looking at what God has already provided. They have gone from wanting their needs supplied to wanting their greed supplied, and they're doing it on their own. As I stated in the poem, there is one need that we definitely cannot do without, and that is breathing. Eating and drinking are also important, and many of us know we can do with far less of both of these. We do need some, but consider the attitude of Job that is revealed in chapter 23, verse 12. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job considered the word of God to be of a greater need than survival food. For even the most simple meals, one can take up to 30 minutes of preparation. That's a total of about an hour and a half each day of preparation, and probably about the same to eat the meal, another hour and a half. That's approximately three hours per day involved with eating. This, of course, does not include snacks. So how much time do we spend each day consuming God's Word? How much time do we spend in a day trying to fulfill the needs in our lives? Several years ago, I came upon the next verse, and it has challenged me ever since. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Do I live for Christ or myself? Unfortunately, it is all too easy to become selfish, to consider all the challenges of our lives and all that we do to make ends meet and endeavor to live a fulfilling life. In so doing, we sometimes place ourselves in front of others. What is the motivation for the things that we do? This next verse gives us the proper action and attitude. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Again, are ye serving Christ or yourself? Where do we spend our time, and on what do we spend our money? Another indicator of where our heart lives is what comes out of our mouths. What are we talking about? Are our speech patterns reflecting trust in God or reflecting fear in our heart? What has control over your heart? Many years ago, I did a word study on 1,005 verses that contain the word heart. Some day, that study will become a book. As I was going through the verses, I came upon this next verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 37. Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power over his own will, and hath so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin, doeth well. The specific issue in this verse is keeping one's virginity. It begins with someone being steadfast in their heart. They have made a decision to keep their virginity and not marry. In the beginning of this chapter, Paul tells the Corinthians it is better to marry than to burn. Burning sexually would be a need in the person's life that might require them to get married so that they would be blessed. It could be a necessity for them, something that could have authority over their decision. As long as a person does not burn, they have no necessity they have power or authority over their will and can live by the decree of their heart and stay a virgin. The heart of this verse teaches us that if we have made a decision, no matter what the issue, and can stay steadfast in that decree, we will accomplish our desire. But sometimes there are things, some necessity, that comes against our will and endeavors to shake our decision. Anybody who has ever tried to diet has dealt with this. Anyone that has ever fasted, for whatever reason, has dealt with this. Our hunger, our appetite, is a necessity. How big a necessity is a determining factor. How determined are we to continue our diet or fast? What can have authority over your will? This is also an area where those with addictions can be afflicted. Something has gained territory within our heart and pushes us in the wrong direction. As in my last episode, we must take authority over our hearts and declare the truth of God's word against that ungodly necessity. We need ask ourselves, what will bring us life and bring the promises of God into fruition in our lives? God's blessing and the fruit of the Spirit await us as we choose the truth. I can live without food for over a month. I can live without water for a couple days. I need to breathe every moment. What can I live without? Beyond the physical necessities of life, what do I really need? Is God's word more than my necessary food? Does my soul thirst for truth or my flesh long for his heart? Is it a need or a greed, a deceitful lust or a godly must? In what do I trust to be fulfilled? What do I believe will fulfill my need? Taking time to evaluate our desires and to, if need be, receive emotional healing for areas where our heart has been hurt and possibly corrupted, is vital to living a peaceful and fruitful life. Why do we believe what we believe? Why do we do what we do? Where do our thoughts and desires dwell? Psalm twenty-seven four says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Notice the emphasis in this verse is of the Lord. It is stated three times. If you delete of the Lord from this verse, then all we have left is the world. All we have left is ourselves. Take some time today to take an inventory of your current mental state and see if there might be some things you need to get rid of. Ask yourself, What do I need?